Aha! They did it. They did it. Your prayers worked, my friends. The Colts beat the Chiefs. Welcome in. You are listening to the Blue Notes podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I am your very happy host, Benji Taylor. Today, I want to just applaud Frank Reich and Gus Bradley and the whole Colts roster. That was a gritty win Sunday. Gritty. I've been so critical of this team recently, but this episode, I want to focus almost entirely on what the Colts did well Sunday. Maybe 90%. We'll start with the good news and we'll end with the great news. Somewhere in between, maybe just one short segment I'll address some minor concerns. How about that? It was a great day, folks. Winning cures everything in this league. It does. And we'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. But right now, it's a great day. Stay with me, Colts fans. Let's talk about that much-needed win against the Chiefs. There is an episode of The Office sitcom when Stanley Hudson comes out of character for a pretzel. It's pretzel day. (laughs) If you've been living under a rock for 20 years and haven't seen an episode of The Office, let me explain. Stanley is a middle-aged, overweight salesman. He's balding and grumpy. Stanley goes to work at his failing paper supply company and tries to cope with his idiot boss without losing his mind. But one day out of the year, Stanley comes to work absolutely giddy. That day is pretzel day. On pretzel day, some vendor comes to the office and serves oversized warm pretzels for a small fee. Patrons can choose up to 18 toppings to be drizzled all over their pretzels. It's Stanley Hudson's favorite day. And it's not just the flavor of the treat or the combination of the toppings. No, on this day, the troubles of the world subside. The stress of the failing paper business is swallowed with every warm bite. And the reality that the meager salary shows less than the outgoing expenses on the family budget just dissolves like butter. This is the day when nothing else matters. It's pretzel day. For Colts fans, Sunday was like that. I don't really care that this team has a lot to figure out. Today, I'm not worried about the quarterback of the future or if we have the right coach or GM. That doesn't matter right now because that win just felt good, like butter. And that's what I want to talk about. Let's start with the unexpected heroes. Kevin Bowen tweeted during the game that the new dynamic duo on the punt team is Matt Hawk and Kylan Granson. And I'm fine with that. Those are two names in punt coverage I didn't think I'd be mentioning when the season started. The Colts started the game with a three and out, which was a shot of lukewarm water after the two previous games. They punted, and Matt Hawk dropped the ball on the eight-yard line. The punt was then muffed by Kansas City rookie Sky Moore, then recovered on the four by Kylan freaking Granson. Granson. I didn't even know the guy played much special teams, and he made one of the top plays of the game with that recovery. It positioned the Colts to score its first touchdown in two weeks. 
the only first quarter touchdown of the season so far. God bless Granson. Sunday's game was bookended with Jelani Woods' touchdowns. The rookie tight end scored off of Granson's recovery, and he scored the game-winning touchdown with 24 seconds remaining. Hawk and Granson weren't the only special team standouts, though. New old kicker Chase McLaughlin hit a clutch 51-yarder Sunday. I think we all know what I'm thinking right now. If that were Hot Rod, he's probably not even attempting that kick. But Chase nailed it. Jelani Woods was my favorite draft pick back in the spring. I was excited about this player coming into camp, but he was quickly overshadowed by fellow rookie tight end Drew Ogletree. Ogletree got injured, as you know, so Jelani re-emerged as the tight end to watch. We hadn't heard his name called through the first two games, which really wasn't that surprising. Tight end is a difficult position to learn. Rookies rarely shine, but now I'm wondering if he could be an Eric Ebron type of player for the Colts in 22. Say what you want about Ebron. He had his struggles, that's for sure, and he basically was not a factor between the 20s. But he was the team's best end zone threat, scoring 13 touchdowns that season. The Colts really haven't had an end zone threat quite like that since 2018, at least not in the passing game. I expect Woods to play limited snaps this year, much like Ebron did. It'll take him a while to learn blocking schemes and routes, but when the Colts get in the red zone, I'd have Jelani Woods on the field. Another unexpected baller from Sunday was rookie wideout Alec Pierce. The last time we saw this guy, he was dropping touchdown passes. He did not have a good inaugural NFL game at Houston. He was targeted twice and caught neither ball. The first was an end zone pass that banged off both of Pierce's hands before wobbling to the turf, a crucial drop in a game that ended in a tie. Then Pierce suffered a concussion and missed the Jacksonville game. But home against Kansas City, Alec, you totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, with his feet in his own end zone, Matt Ryan delivered a deep ball down the right sideline to Pierce. The rookie mossed a Kansas City defender on the go route, boasting his top level speed, then jumping to high point the ball. Pierce grabbed the Duke out of the air with both hands to secure his first NFL catch. It was a pro play. The fact that he was able to bounce back after his dreadful first game and make that grab was impressive. And it was the type of play Colts fans really aren't used to seeing. Chris Ballard, who has been trying and trying to graft in a large wideout since signing Devin Funches in 2019, had to be thrilled. What's more, more important than any one single player, the team played with one collective beating heart, and they won that game with grit. A week ago, I spoke into this same microphone that I didn't think that was possible. That's what I love about this league and this team. Something that seemed non-existent or mythical a week ago can become a reality in just seven days. That's life in the NFL. In that way, the league is unlike a TV show narrative that connects one episode to the next. Certainly that arc happens, and we talked about that a little bit last year, 
But now I'm starting to think the league closer resembles a series of 17 different films. They're not chapters, they're books. And each one has its own setting, plot, and climax, wholly unlike the one before. That's what we saw Sunday. This team that seemed absent of heart and drive assumed a new identity at Lucas Oil Stadium. After being outcoached and overmatched in Jacksonville, the Colts beat Kansas City with better defensive schemes, effort, and grit. It was a surprising turn of events. Pretzel Day can do that for you. That giant twisted tube of salted bread erases the troubles you feel, even if it's just a temporary fix. Now, a brief moment to deal with some Colts concerns. These episodes are about 20 minutes long. If we allow only 10% of it to focus on the negative, that's two minutes. Give me two minutes here. The O-line still stinks. <laughs> they do. They're having trouble everywhere. Left, middle, right, everywhere. I'm not quite panicked because there are two new players on the line and I realize it takes some time for the unit to gel. I get that. And remember in 2018, that line had a troublesome start as well. There were some injuries. They reshuffled and became one of the best in the league. I'm not saying that's going to happen here. But I do acknowledge that it takes time for the five individual players to become one unit. If reshuffling does need to happen though, I'm just not sure what that would look like. Pryor and Pinter, the new guys, are struggling, but I don't know if there are better options on this roster right now. Remember, this is the highest paid offensive line in the league. I can be patient, but you don't want to spend Lamborghini money to drive a Toyota Corolla. Hey, I like a Corolla, it's fine, and it'll get you where you need to go, but that's not what we paid for. Admittedly, blocking seems to be more than just an offensive line problem. Matt Ryan, the 15-year vet, is having trouble recognizing blitzes, or he's just not communicating them well enough to the front line. The reason I think this could be good news is that a lack of communication is a lot easier to fix than personnel, especially when those guys just don't exist on your roster. I'm hopeful that Matt Ryan and center Ryan Kelly can get this thing figured out. It's a problem, however, that needs a fast solution. Matt Ryan is on pace to tally his most sacks in any of his 15 seasons played in the NFL. The aged quarterback isn't handling the ball well either. He's fumbled a league leading seven times. Seven. And we thought the last guy was careless. Ryan has had a rough go in Indy so far. His interception percentage is the highest it's ever been in his long career, while his touchdown percentage and QBR are the lowest they've ever been. If there is a silver lining, I do think all of these problems are connected to allowing pressure. Although Pryor and Pinter have struggled, I tend to think the problems are schematic more than individual. Again. We can only hope they figure this thing out soon. Well, I guess that was closer to three minutes than two, even though I talked as fast as I possibly could. Uh, but that's it. That's it. We're back to the good stuff now. The defense was exceptional Sunday. Nay, legendary. <laughs> legendary. Uh, yeah, let's just roll with it. Prior to Sunday, one of the most impressive Colts wins in recent past was the win at Kansas City in 2019. 
However, in that game, Patrick Mahomes was hurt. He was hobbled. The win was still great, but this time the Colts faced that team at full strength and just matched them top to bottom. This outcome was unimaginable a week ago. Gus Bradley and his defensive unit gave me no reason to think they would keep the Chiefs from scoring anything less than 50. The difference was the pressure from the Colts' defensive front. In the previous two games, Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence had all the time they wanted to complete whatever pass they could dream. That wasn't the case Sunday, but it's tricky pressuring Patrick Mahomes. I nearly said a player like Mahomes, but let's be honest, there is no player like Mahomes. He's a unique player who can beat defenses uniquely. If you bring extra players in, he'll find the weakness in the defense and complete the pass, no problem. If you shoot the gaps, he'll slip by the defenders and run. If you flush him out of the pocket, he'll win on the edge. The pressure has to be specifically controlled, and you can't bring too many players and leave the back end vulnerable. Rushing four is the only way, and the Colts did it exceptionally well. The box score only shows one sack for the Colts, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Mahomes was continually pressured back and kept in the well, so to speak, and into making quick and difficult decisions. Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley had the perfect plan for the Chiefs, and the plan was executed wonderfully. He should be applauded. The pressure up front may have been the difference in the game, but some personnel changes sent a nice message and proved to be effective. Rookie Nick Cross was somewhat benched for the veteran Rodney McLeod. I choose to think of it less of a benching, though, and more of a keep working or incomplete. Cross is very young and still learning. I really like what I've seen from him, but the switch to McLeod was the right move. After Julian Blackman got hurt, rookie safety Rodney Thomas filled in quite well. I didn't even have this guy on the roster after cut day, but I like him. He brings that Ivy League intelligence from Yale matched with the on-field aggression. My hope is that Blackman returns soon, but Thomas was impressive. Stephon Gilmore probably had his best game as a Colt. He stayed close to Travis Kelsey, the all-pro tight end for the most part. I liked the plan, but it was one that didn't work out well in Jacksonville. Gilmore struggled covering tight end Evan Ingram. In fact, the offense targeted Gilmore when they knew that Ingram could overpower Gilmore. Gus implemented the same plan, though, against the Chiefs, and it was an advantage for the Colts. That's where Gus deserves so much credit. Nothing worked out well in Jacksonville, nothing. So he had to stare at that long list of errors and decide which changes to employ and which matchups to start up again. And whatever he did, worked. I can't compliment Gus though without crediting that entire defense for preparing and executing his plan. It's like these guys rose out of their graves and went to work. It was that magical. And now a couple of wee little tidbits before we close. Number one, maybe we just saw the best defensive effort of the Colts this entire season. It's possible, but they did that without their best defensive player, Shaq Leonard. It seems like he could be coming back from his injury soon. I hope so. But think about how good this defense could be with Shaq Leonard in the middle, wrecking the place and snatching the ball and barking at the offense, <laughs> barking at everybody for that matter. 
There is no question that the personnel on this defense is better than last year. That much is clear. My only question was about Gus. But if Gus is more of a vehicle than an obstacle, I like what this unit can become. And number two, it's possible that the Jaguars are a pretty good football team. We don't want to believe it because they're like our little brother who gets one punch in a year. But even after those losses, we look at ourselves and say how we gave it away. We don't want to ever give them credit. But it's possible that the Jags have drastically improved. They paid loads and lumps to upgrade their skill players this offseason. Their defensive front was already a problem. Trevor Lawrence is okay. I don't love him, but he's talented. And now they have a real competent NFL coach, which absolutely was not the case last year. The Colts should not have been shut out last week in Florida. I'm not making an excuse for that. But I am saying that maybe we should start respecting this team. This past week, after the Colts shutout, the Jags traveled to L.A. and thumped the Chargers, a team many expected to be one of the best in the league. Doug Peterson has this team rolling, and the Colts better be ready when they come to town mid-October. I failed to mention this before, but one of the most impressive aspects of that game is that the Colts won a game that really wasn't perfect. They still found a way, which is something every team has to figure out in this league. I wanted this entire episode, well, 90%, to focus on what the Colts did well in that game Sunday. It was a phenomenal performance, and it truly deserves credit. If the Colts go on to lose the rest of their games this year, although I hope that won't be the case, we could still look back at that one performance against the Chiefs and applaud it. It was that good. Stanley Hudson said it best. I wake up every morning in a bed that's too small, drive my daughter to a school that's too expensive, and then I go to work to a job for which I get paid too little. But on pretzel day, well, I like pretzel day. Sunday was a good day. Now, the Titans come to town. This team has owned the division in recent years. Reluctantly, I've called them the class of the division because they deserved it. Even so, it tasted foul to say that. But this game could hold more weight than the Chiefs matchup. The AFC South rival swept the Colts last year, and although they have started slow in 22, they are a formidable opponent nonetheless. Let's hope that Sunday the Colts continue what they started last week and finally exact some revenge on last year's sweep. Pretzel day is over, but now maybe our team knows what they are capable of doing. Sunday is a new day, a story all its own. Come back next week and hopefully we are talking about a team on a win streak. Take care and go Colts. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor, and I like pretzels. <laughs>